The following is from the teaching ministry of First Baptist Church of Royal City, Washington. More teaching like this can be found at graceteaching.net or searching Grace-Oriented Teaching wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here is our speaker. Stand secure in who you are, and we just thank you for the fact that you've given to us the ability to share in your thoughts and to be a part of your plan and uh, your objects, uh, recipients of your gracious provision. Amen. So we're looking at the question today, does science destroy Christianity? That question could be broadened. You could ask, does science destroy the Bible? You could ask, does does science destroy um, Christians uh, versus Christianity? There's a lot of different side roads you could go down on this. So when we say to science destroy Christianity, I think we're probably looking at it a rather broad uh, context here. <clears throat> and in looking at this subject, there's a number of terms to really appreciate what God's Word says about this. There's a number of terms we would need to look at. We won't have time to do that. But there's <clears throat> terms that both science and the Bible use, uh, but they don't use them the same. And to look at all these terms, we'd be looking at <coughs> uh, apologetics, looking at um, argument, the word argument, looking at mysticism, looking at Gnosticism, <coughs> um, dogma, uh, different, different terms that are, are used by both entities, both, uh, I'll say religion, <coughs> I should be more specifically say the Bible uses these terms, and scientists refer to these terms also. But as we're going through this, we're going to see that uh, they're not defined the same by both groups. One group has one definition, the other group has a different definition. <clears throat> so when we're having conversations uh, about or with uh, other individuals, uh, it's kind of important to recognize that uh, others don't define these terms the same way the Bible does. And uh, you end up with, with kind of the concept of uh, those, that book that was written years ago, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, uh, the idea that men and women think differently. <clears throat> they come at things from a different perspective. And so to have a quality relationship, a man and a woman, they need to understand a little bit <clears throat> that there's differences in how, how we think and how we approach things, <clears throat> how we feel about things. Well, scientists and uh, Christians, or I should say the Bible, because Christians come at all shapes and sizes, flavors, I should say, <clears throat> different different viewpoints, but the Bible and science uh, don't define terms the same way. And so if you're going to have a meaningful discussion, it helps to have an understanding of what, how the other person defines the different terms that you're using, how the different terms that the Bible uses. <clears throat> and if you don't understand that, uh, you can end up uh, kind of twisted up. But anyway, we don't have time to look at all those. We're just going to be looking at a few of those terms, and I doubt if we'll even get close to being through this study this morning, <clears throat> but we'll get as far as we do. <clears throat> so first question, define science. Do you have a definition for science, for the word science? Anybody care to be bold and daring? Study of knowledge. Okay. That's pretty accurate. The application Okay. Okay. Both of those are good. Those are both accurate. You could include both of those in the. I, I'm looking at the definition, the, the dictionary definition of science, and so the dic- dictionary definition includes both of those ideas. Anybody want to add more to that? Knowledge. Knowledge. <clears throat> it looks like the wheels are turning in Ben's mind. Are you trying to. Old times, okay. Or older times, they would just watch something and they observed and said, "This is new science." Very good. That's also included. All three of you have a portion of the of the dictionary definition of science. This is the Oxford Dictionary. Um, I didn't. That's just. I chose. That's what I had in front of me. <coughs> uh, Webster is going to say the same thing, maybe using a little bit different words. But <coughs> science is quote the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation, 
experimentation, and the testing of theories against the evidence obtained. <coughs> and so <coughs> we have a knowledge, you have observation, you have um, experimentation. <coughs> uh, all of these are included in the idea of science, but they're all based on what can be observed and what can be tested. And uh, we'll mention the, something called the scientific method in a little while, but that's basically the definition of science is the systematic study of the structure and behavior of physical and natural world. And those two words are really important in understanding the definition. You don't see anything emphasizing spirituality or the supernatural in that definition. The testing would be involved in seeing if you do the same thing more than once, if you get the same reaction. Yep, repeatability. And if you get repeatability in every set of possible circumstances that you can conceive of, you end up with, what do they call it? A theory? No, that, that's the theory is that this is true. And we test the theory through a bunch of different ways. You end up with a law. And so you have what's called the three laws of thermodynamics. Well, actually, there's four laws of thermodynamics, but three of them are <clears throat> most popular. And if you look at the laws of thermodynamics, they only apply to the physical realm. But there's a problem with the, the laws of thermodynamics. That's, that's another one of the terms we need to explore. I, I probably shouldn't go down that road. I'm not going to dwell on it. <clears throat> well, what are some of the problems of the laws of thermodynamics as it relates to science? Anybody know? One of the laws of thermodynamics is that matter cannot be created or destroyed. Is there a problem with that? That's in related to the physical realm. The physical realm cannot create or destroy matter. But to state matter cannot be created or destroyed, is that true or false? False. That's false. God created matter, God created energy, he created all those things. So to come up with that law, so-called law, you have to limit your testing to physical things. You have to leave the supernatural out of it. <clears throat> and that um, everything, uh, one, the second, I think it's the second law, it might be the third law of thermodynamics, that everything moves towards uh, chaos. In other words, everything moves towards um, destruction oblivion. In other words, you have energy, and whenever you expend energy, you always end up with less energy than when you started with. It always moves towards disorganization. What does evolution teach? That it goes the other direction, <laughs> that everything moves towards order. You have the Big Bang, which is chaos, and chaos moved towards order. So the theory of evolution that is viewed by as a law by most people, even though they call it a theory, they, they address it as if it's a law, it violates two of the three laws of thermodynamics, and the laws of thermodynamics are applied to every realm of science. Those, that's the foundation by which all science uh, is based upon. And so the whole theory of evolution, which uh, invades all of biology and all of geology, are a violation of, of two-thirds of the very laws that establish science. So <clears throat> when we're talking about science uh, and belief systems and so on, th there's some scientists base their beliefs on a pretty shaky system right from the get-go. <clears throat> but that's a whole nother, another series that I, we don't have um, down here. We won't go any further than that. I <clears throat> just thought I'd throw it out there. <clears throat> Does <clears throat> the word science occur in the Bible? It's a little bit of a tricky question. In older translations. <laughs> older translations. I was hoping Josh and Jen were going to be here. I was going to have them read these two verses because they have... Does anybody have a King James Bible here? Besides, I know they do. That's why I was going to pick on them. What? New King James. I don't know if that used it or not. Uh, go to Daniel 1.4, uh, Ben, and, and read that for us. men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Okay, New King James tra uh, changes the translation. The Old King James, the original King James, says that in who's possessed wisdom and science. And so the, the King James use, uses their term science there. Okay. Yeah, the, the older King James has has um, the word science in there. So it's, was Translated wisdom, but but they it's the later they changed the translation to wisdom and knowledge. The the Hebrew word. Wisdom and science. The original King James says wisdom and science. Yeah, but uh, the New King James changes it to wisdom and knowledge. 
the word that's there is mada in the Hebrew, <clears throat> and that word occurs six times in the Old Testament. And every time, five times in the Old Testament, it's included with wisdom. It's associated with wisdom, wisdom and knowledge. And it's translated knowledge uh, in the King James even in every place except Daniel 1.4. For some reason, they translate it science there, but it's a word for knowledge. <clears throat> and we have, <coughs> excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, Gary, uh, excuse me, um, Stan, you want to grab that one? 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21. <clears throat> yeah, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20 and 21. 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21. Keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some pressing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. So here we have the word science occurring in this passage as well. It occurs once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament, in some translations. But in most translations, the word science doesn't occur in either passage. The word that's translated science, anybody in, in this passage, anybody want to care to guess what that one probably means? Very good. It means knowledge. It's the word gnosis, which comes from our word gnosko, which is experiential knowledge. Uh, gnosis is very similar to that. It's a, it's a kind of a working knowledge. <clears throat> and so, and, and again, it's associated with wisdom there. Wisdom and knowledge, falsely so-called. And so, and what's the warning there in that passage? Look at that. What's what's it warning against? What was that? Yeah, what's the warning in First Timothy six twenty? What's it warning against? Idle babblings. Guard against. Guarding against. Profane and idle babblings and contradictions. And what is that knowledge called? How is it identified? False. False knowledge. <laughs> it's so he's warning against. A type of teaching or knowledge that is a false knowledge. It's called knowledge, but it's called so falsely because it really isn't knowledge. <clears throat> and so God is, or Paul is warning Timothy to guard his mind, to, be, to guard himself against something that is described by many as being wise words, but it's a false wisdom. It's a false knowledge. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> I think that even though that's directed to Timothy specifically, Timothy's as a young pastor, uh, Timothy is going to be one who's influencing other Christians, and so the warning is ultimately going to be to all Christians to warn themselves against knowledge that is a false knowledge. It's described as knowledge, it's claimed to be knowledge, and it's under the guise of wisdom, but it's false. It's not true. It's not reliable. <clears throat> it's not faithful. It's not something that we should be putting our, our trust in because it's false. Number two, what is the purpose of the material realm according to Psalm 19, 1 through 6 and Romans 1, 19 through 20? <clears throat> Linda, can you grab Psalm 19 for us? 1 through 6? Psalm 19? Yeah, Psalm 19, verse 1 through 6. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his hand day unto day, utter speech. And night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. The light has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and he rejoices with a strong man to run its race rising from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end and there is nothing hidden from its heat. And then uh, Romans 1, 19 and 20. Can you get that, Terry? <coughs>
for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So according to these different passages, what would be the realm described here, the, the purpose of, of this material realm? What, why did God's purpose in, in uh, making it? To glorify Him. That's very broadly, there's some specific things stated here. To glorify Him uh, is uh, a little bit more generic, general, but, but that's part of it. What are the specifics described here? To showcase His eternal power divine nature. Okay. Declares his testimony to the world. <coughs> so it's all in the spiritual realm as opposed to the science of physical. Okay. Anything the seen, else? The seen creation shouts to the world about an unseen God. Okay. Anything else? That's it in a nutshell, but I'm going to throw one other thought out here that is inferred here. It places God in close association with the creation. In other words, you can't separate... The, 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 the creation, the physical universe, is separate from God, but he is closely associated with that. In other words, he, he's the originator of it. It declares the work of his hand. It declares the work of his hand, so it, it infers that... <coughs> You can't have the creation without the creator. What does science try to do? What? It leaves God out of the equation. It tries to explain what can be seen by taking out the one who made it. That becomes a problem. If the heavens are designed to demonstrate his glory, as Ronnie pointed out, if it's designed to demonstrate his handiwork, the works of his hands, his power, <clears throat> but science separates all that out, you end up with a whole new, and I'm going to throw this term out, religious system. You end up with a religious system that's called Gnosticism. The gathering of knowledge and making that something to be pursued apart from the God who designed it. Now, that's another term that we would look at if we had more time here, Gnosticism. We don't have time to go down that road. But Gnosticism is a type of a religious or philosophical system <coughs> that amasses knowledge and makes that mass of knowledge the end-all or the, the thing to be pursued, which makes it in, in some res respects a religious system. Now, if you ask a scientist, the average scientist, is science a religion? They'll adamantly say, absolutely not. But um, when we look at what science really is, uh, science actually is a religious system. It's, it's a belief system that believes that the things that they see were not made by a creator. That's a belief system. You, you, I believe that it was made by a creator. I, I can't prove it. Uh, I can't prove that it was not made by a creator. I looked at the evidence. It, it's a, in other words, it's a belief system. You either believe it or you don't. But you can believe this, what the scientist says or you can believe what the Bible says. They are contradictory to each other, but they don't can't be proved or unproved. Uh, what does the very first word, uh, uh, first verse of the Bible say? In the beginning, God. Where does God try to prove his existence? How does the Bible prove his existence? He doesn't. He states his existence, and he says that his creation demonstrates points to his power, and it po it's like the it's a great big signpost that points to this God over here, he's the one that made it. But he doesn't sit down and provide a rational explanation, a logical uh, argument to prove his existence. He just assumes his existence for the very first sentence of the Bible. In the beginning, God. <clears throat> and science is based on trying to prove that the physical universe, the existence, is based upon physical things. And there's a verse that addresses that. We'll look at that a little bit. Any, anything else before we go on from this? You said that it places God closest with creation. I also thought on that I was thinking like the Colossians passage that says that even God the Son is even holding it together. Yep. Present. Yeah, and that's <clears throat> that's one of the verses that I have in a later study that, <laughs> that since you brought it up, well yes, go ahead. 
Well, mention something in relationship to that. Well, I was just going to say, um, I think there's a couple different ends of this of this pendulum, if you will. Like, on the one hand, you're you're absolutely right. There are there are aspects or sects of science that are trying to do everything from a materialistic point of view. Everything is, you know, God is out of the picture. But there's other aspects of science that are that show you how structured and how organized and how these laws that govern our cosmos. Um, you know, if you look at them from a, through a lens that there is a God, you can see how the structure organized sure, yeah. and how it works well. Um, because the heavens declare it. Yeah, it points so, to that. So, so I would say science in and of itself is not necessarily evil. So if one of our kids in heaven get a science degree, I wouldn't be like, oh, witchcraft, you know, oh, no. Um, it's, how you, it's, it's, it's how you approach it and what you, what you think about it. So, to learn, you know, whatever aspect of science isn't necessarily wrong, it's when you start to see, this is, there is no God. Then you step over and God would say, hey, I've declared it now. This is over and over in Scripture. Yeah, I, I have to agree with him because as we've been studying in science with my homeschoolers, I'm like overwhelmed at how... Uh, creation more than ever. Mm -hmm. So I think the facts, um, it is a religious system uh, for some people, and it's just as much a faith system to them as uh, creation is to us, because obviously nobody can prove how creation happened. Sure. We either believe the Bible, or we believe the fanatics on the science side mm -hmm. that say there's no God. And they're just as much a religious system. Well, I would argue that we're not a religious system. <laughs> it's a relationship, but that's how they view us. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier, that yeah. our definitions are our different definition. from theirs. And their, their definition of, of religion includes us and, and religious practice within that. Yeah. Uh, their definition of religion does not measure up to our definition of religion that we have in James. So just a question to Ben on his comment. So you're talking about, you know, what kids are taught or whatever. In school, have you um, experienced that when they're, when uh, teachers are teaching science, are they including God in that equation? Or is it strictly, like Jim said, like they're teaching yeah. without God? Well, well, again, I mean, science is broken up into different content fields. So, for instance, a teacher teaching, I don't know, physical science, they may be studying uh, inertia or, you know, something that, that's fairly mathematical. Um, I mean, motion, you know. They, yeah, it, 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 they know it's not like, there's no God, you know. This, this, this vehicle had inertia, you know. It, it's just taught. Right? We're just learning concepts. But then when you get into things that are deeper, like, you know, I used to teach Earth and Space Science, and so inevitably I would try to get the kids to, to think about these things, like where do you think all this came from? And as a Christian, I would pose, like, there's multiple theories. One of the theories is secular, it's called the Big Bang, and it assumes everything came out of existence out of nothingness, and here's the tenets behind it. And then other people believe that there's a creator behind it. Mm -hmm. And I, maybe I'm crossing boundaries and I shouldn't, but that's how I taught it. Mm -hmm. um, but, but where, where you get in these sticky points is, of course, the life science, the biology. Because inevitably, when you get to that starting point, you say, hey, where did it come from? Uh, the schools, the curriculum is, is evolution, evolution theory. Mm -hmm. And so even in our school, my kids, our district, our kids occasionally come home and go, they said the earth is, you know, 25, 9,000 billion years old. Or, <laughs> or they'll say... Uh, yeah, what did you say? What did Ricky say? We came from, Dad, I learned we came from fish today. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's not true. I said, did you say anything? Nah, you should have, you know. Hey, I don't necessarily think that's true. So, it depends on your, your teacher, really. Royal's a pretty conservative district. I'm sure there's other districts. There's no, there's no, like, you have to agree with this. You know, our district, it's kind of like, this is, you know, this is a theory, so. I'm just, I'm just saying, thinking that um, overall would say 
Well, you prove this to me, or it's not science. science. Um, yeah, well, that's why you have you should be, to be should be calling it the theory of something other. Yeah, it's a theory. Yeah. It's a theory. It has a theory. <coughs> Another way I think of it is that uh, uh, people say, "Well, he's just a good. He was a good person. Jesus was. Well, this good person he lied about creation. He tells you about relationships with God." Yeah. Well, he claimed to be deity. He lied That's about right. being deity. Is he lying? Yeah. It's what Jim said. What do you do with the first verse in the Bible? In the beginning, God. That if if you if you throw God out and any anything you want to think, believe, etc. is plausible. If it is real that in the beginning God did create the heavens and the earth, then there's some accountability, and we got to find out what's the story behind it. So. I, I just add to, the, to all this that we some people might be surprised if you don't, if, especially if you're taking science today versus like when I was growing up. A lot of people that were doing early scientific method were believers, and they believed yeah. fully in God. Mendel right. was a, was a um, I think was a Jesuit priest, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and things like that. So, and that was that was biology that he was working on, trying to figure out how right. chromosomes. Work. So these people didn't deny the existence of God. They may have Darwin even believed in God. Mm -hmm. He thought that this was actually going to help in the whole in the whole scheme of things. He, he started off being going to seminary, being a seminary, yeah, yeah. going to be supposedly going to be a. Uh, and I'm not to be a pastor. No, no. God didn't mean it. But it's just, I think it is interesting to remember that you, you kind of, they were doing scientific method. And it just now you got the point that it's like if you in any way think about God. And if you talk about like Peg's brother in law, if you talk to him, he knows that he's known over the years. Lots of professors that are doing scientific research in universities are Bible believing Christians. Yeah. You know, it's not a, for them, you know. But they're not usually teaching, you know, intro to biology classes necessarily because because of what's expected of them to teach, but right. things like that. Anyway. Tim made mention to a passage in Colossians. I think he's referring to chapter 2, verse 17. But um, before we look at that, uh, this is another page of notes I had later on down the road, but I'll throw, since he mentioned this, uh, you have in science uh, quantum theory, and for the life of me, the other theory escapes me, but you have <coughs> uh, different rules apply to things in the material realm that are very large, like planetary systems, living organisms, and rules that apply to very small things, um, microscopic things, nanoparticles, and how they function. <coughs> And the rules that apply to the very large things and the rules that apply to very small things are completely different. If you, and I can't, qu qu is it um, not quantum, you have quantum theory? Can you I thought it was quantum physics. Quantum physics, okay, and, and there's, there's another term. One relates to large, one relates to the small. I don't remember which is which. But, they def but they're not in agreement with each other. In other words, if you take <coughs> the things that work for the very small things, the microscopic things, and try, try to apply those laws to very large things, uh, it just plain doesn't work. They don't cooperate with each other at all. And so scientists, very big name scientists, have spent their entire lives trying to come up with a mathematical equation that balances the function of very large things with the function of very small things. Uh, Einstein spent his life trying to come up with that equation. He never did. <clears throat> Stephen Hawking, that was his goal in life, was to come up with that equation. He failed in that. <clears throat> Does the Bible give us an answer to that? And Tim, you you want to read to us Colossians two? I, I think that was a verse you were talking about, one isn't it? Colossians or, one seventeen. Or yes, thank you, one seventeen. He is before all things, and the all things hold together consist by him. Does that answer that equation? Does that give us the the equation that answers that holds the big things together with the small things? I would say yes. I believe that that verse answers the question that men have spent their entire lives trying to look to the physical realm and try to find an answer in the physical realm, and the physical realm isn't going to give them an answer because the answer is not found in the physical realm. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ, who he's the one that holds these things together. And what's going to happen? Is he ever going to let, let go of those things at some point in the future? Yeah. And what's going to happen to those things? They're going to fly apart because 
you can't harmonize those two theories. They don't work together apart from the divine power holding it together. When, the, when God lets go, the very small things are going to counteract with the very big things and it's all going to fly apart. Exactly as physicists say that they should right now. The big things and the small things can't cohabitate together. And they can't figure out why do they? It's a big mystery to them. And they spend their entire lives trying to answer that question. God gives us the answer. It's a scientific answer. Sort of. But it's an answer that can't be found in the material realm. So a scientist will never come up with that equation because it doesn't, it doesn't exist in the material realm. It exists in the supernatural realm. <clears throat> Colossians 1.17 By him all things hold together. <clears throat> And those all things are what he says in the previous verse. All things were created uh, by him and for him. And by him all things hold together. So the, he's talking about the created physical universe was created by him. And he's the one that holds those elements of the created universe together. They don't hold together through a physical equation. They hold together by a supernatural power. <coughs> what? I, was just, I was trying to look at that answer and you came up with it. But... Can I read two, two sentences about sure. the Big Bang? Yeah. So, Big Bang theory, commonly taught, says that the universe came into being from a single, unimaginably hot and dense point, aka a singularity, more than 13 billion years ago. It didn't occur in already existing space, rather it, it initiated the expansion and cooling of space itself. So it's, in my opinion, it's like, it's like, there is, you know, there's, they're trying to look back in time and see this, this universe that's, that's coming to existence. And, it, and to me, it's like they're just trying, they're evidencing God's, God's creation, right? At some point, God initiated creation. And they'll tell you, like, it happens in a microsecond. Like, but there's, there's so many laws of science that are defied by this, this happening. Like, you never get something out of nothing in science. And you have to have something. Yeah, laws of thermodynamics. Laws of thermodynamics. Matter cannot be created or destroyed right. by existing things. It's, it's just so crazy to me how, like, I mean, scientists are so bent on on evidence, right? And, and we just we just are willing to go, okay, so that makes sense. So nothing in a singularity could coalesce it and explode it into everything. Okay, got it. It's like, wait a minute, like, just they want to make something up because they don't want to believe in God. Period. No, I, I know. It's just, it's to me, it's like they're, they're the Big Bang's probably not too bad of a theory. Like to say God crushed it all into existence somehow. You know. But is there anything within the Bible that would lend some <laughs> credibility to what you just said? Well, John one one, he created everything. You know, it describes the creation. Without him, nothing was made that was made. right. I'm, I'm going to reference specifically the phrase it uses, the Big Bang. Is there anything within the Bible that can lend, lend credibility to the idea that there might have been a Big Bang that brought all this together in one moment of time? Well, that's at the end of the <laughs> that's the end of the process. I'm looking at the beginning. Well, it says God said. Okay. That's it. I, I shouldn't have asked this question because I don't have the verse in front of me, but I can reference it. Maybe Tim knows off the top of his head what it is. But something happened. That the, the sons of God shouted for joy when something occurred. Do you remember what that passage is? It's in Job, isn't it? Yeah. I have Job 38 in my lesson here, but we don't have time to read the whole chapter. <coughs> Jim, don't feel rushed. We'll take yeah. this multiple weeks. Verse <laughs> <laughs> 7, 38, 7. 38, 7. For my loins. Oh, I'm in Psalm. No wonder it's not making any sense to me. <laughs> it just doesn't look like the Job of 38 I read this morning. <laughs> 38, 7. Uh, talking about... 
the the earth, the foundations laid the earth in verse four. Who set its measurements? Verse five. What were it bases sunk? Verse six. Verse seven. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. <clears throat> There's an inference here that there might have been a big bang. That God spoke, as you mentioned, and it all came into existence. And that was what I call a wow moment for the for the spirit beings. It was a place that was created for them, and he spoke it all into existence. Now, did he do it with great thunder? All I can give you is my opinion, and my opinion is not worth any more than anybody else's opinion in this room or anybody else's room, but in my opinion, there was probably a big bang here. I imagine God spoke, and poof, it all came into existence, and the sons of God get, wow! You're talking about celestial birth, Yes. Right? Well, I'm saying spirit beings saw the creation of the universe right. when God spoke it into existence and, and there was a wow moment for them. Right. They shouted for joy. And then there was the physical universe. That was the physical universe that was spoken into creation. What's described as when bursting forth, it went mm -hmm. out from the womb. Right. So he's describing it as a burst. Like, like a, a burst. A burst. A burst. Yeah, something and that it burst out. Yeah. So so there could be an element of truth in the whole theory of the Big Bang as far as it relates to a Big Bang in general. But we have to recognize where that Big Bang was sourced from. It didn't come out from existing materials. It came out from the person of God speaking it into existence. But anyway, that little bit of a side trip there, but since it was brought up, we thought we'd throw it out there. Most Christians don't understand that because Christians get so twisted because of, of the errors within science, they they throw everything that science says, says out and get thrown into a quandary by it. Some of the things that science endorses is true. But that's the thing with a lot of things that, that science is part of Satan's world system. Does Satan and Bruce ever embrace truth? Yeah. Does his system ever embrace truth? Yes, it does. Does it always embrace truth? No, it doesn't. So should we be able to recognize what is true and what is false? Obviously, because we just, well, anyway. Well, we have God's word. Yeah, which is true. Anyway, getting back to our, our paper here. Um, <clears throat> that was number two. What is the purpose of the material realm to <coughs> describe I'm going to throw one other question out in relationship to this since, since we're on it. What happens when you confuse the material universe with the person who created it? What type of a religious system do you end up with when you confuse the two together? I don't, All yeah. multiple gods? <laughs> Almost. Idolatry, right? Pantheism. Yeah. Yeah. You have, I'm sorry? Can you say idolatry? Okay, well, yeah, that's idolatry. It's a form of idolatry, yeah. but there's actually a, a term for it called pantheism. That's a system of religion that most American Indians held to, a lot of others throughout um, history have held to, and that's it. Everything is God. So when you confuse, when you combine the creator with the creation, you end up with pantheism. And so that is, God is in you. You're part of God. This table, God is, this table, because God's essence is in all things, God is all things, and that's what pantheism says. So there's a, an important distinction between, that we should make between who the creator is and what he created. They are separate things. Even though he is in and through all things, he is not all things. So all things are not God. He is, spirit essence is within all things, but all things is not God. We have to recognize that's pantheism, and that's why people, uh, some people uh, worship the physical elements of the universe, physical things, because they think God is in all is is all things. All things are a part of, of deity. And so that's what pantheism is. <clears throat> Number three, this is a famous quote that I think we all can relate to because it's been really popular in the last few years. <clears throat> quote by American astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson, the good thing about science is that it's true whether you believe it or not. Unquote. Can you see any relationship between this quote and the statement in Romans chapter 1, 18 through 23? Now, we just read that, but maybe we should go back to it and read it again to refresh our minds. Um, Holly, I, I kind of started at Ben and went that way, but let's get, you okay to read a couple verses? Romans 8, um, excuse me, Romans chapter 1, 18 through. That same statement is true if you just put God instead of science. <laughs> 
It is. And what does that make science to be? It makes to be. It makes science your God. So, um, Romans chapter one, eighteen through twenty-three. Holly. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are made without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Okay. Can you see a relationship between what that verse, those verses say and the statement that Tyson makes? Science is true. The good thing about science is true whether you believe it or not. Everything you have to direct faith at. Okay. But our salvation comes basically, basically through faith, not through science. Okay. Sure. And what do people that embrace that thought? What are the what? What do they make themselves to be? What is that that? What class of people? How does God identify the people that do that? What does He call them? Foolish. Foolish. They change the glory of the incorruptible God into images. In other words, the thing that exists uh, exists by the things that you can see. He calls them fools. <clears throat> And they're not just fools, but they're also, they also, they actively do something. What are they actively doing? Suppressing, Suppressing the truth. They know the truth. It's been revealed. They see the same creation you do, and they do this knowingly. They suppress the truth. In order to suppress something, you have to know what it is. They see the truth, they know what it is, and they hold it down. What? So this is kind of like James 3.1. You're wishing to be teachers and... <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, more judgment. Right. Wouldn't you say that um, the suppressing or whatever is because they are blinded to the truth? There's, there's, I don't know if it's just like, just the, from the human nature or if it's the satanic that they are blinded. Some of them are, but not all of them because this, vi this verse actually says the opposite. It says, <clears throat> this is... This talks about a group of people. This is when they knew God. Now, this isn't talking about people today. This is talking about people back probably around the flood or, or thereafter. They actually had a working knowledge of God. They knew that where that flood came. Now, that's not true of scientists today. They don't, they don't physically know God. They haven't physically seen God working today. So uh, what you're saying would be true of people today. They're blinded partly by, satan partly by satanic blindness, even though I believe that they still have a, an ability to see the same things in creation that you and I do. Uh, Romans is talking about a people that actually had a working understanding of who God was. They knew who he was, and they actively chose to make him into something else. So they will willfully, knowingly, did what they did. Some people today do so ignorantly, but I believe that some of those people are just have as, as much ability to recognize the truth as they did back then because they have the, the same nature that like they can look Cain at. Who went like Cain, right. Knew what he was supposed to do, but he Just rebuilt, yeah. chose not. And exactly. And he went away, went out from God. And yeah. so. I actually haven't seen this quote before. Um, I, I wonder, maybe some of you know, maybe you know Jim, what Neil's why he wrote this. Right. I wonder what his motivation was to say, hey, look, you know, look, all y'all that don't believe in science, doesn't matter. You know, the good thing about it is true, whether you believe or not. Or, yeah, you know? I, I certainly couldn't say that. I don't have the ability to look. I do know that I have seen a couple of his programs, his YouTube program, or I don't know if they're just on YouTube, but um, yeah. he, he, he has hosted science television programs, and I know that he has verbally made a sense that he doesn't recognize uh, the God of the universe. Uh, he, he's a scientist through and through, and he holds to 
what can be proven and, and seen and tested in a test tube. Uh, that's what he has voiced on, on TV. Um, he hasn't been actively militant in that way. I don't know that they, you know, they didn't want to be too controversial on TV, but he makes it clear that he's a scientist and not a belief right. in, the, in the supernatural. Well, I think, it, you know, as Christians, we, we should not be scared of science. Like, in other words, when people were just coming up with, say, the heliocentric model, <coughs> sorry, the geocentric model, the, you had this geocentric model, the Earth is the center of the universe, right? And then they were proposing this heliocentric model, like, hey, I think the sun is actually the center of our solar system. I think stuff's going around it. You know, visually, it looks like the sun's going around us every day, right? And, you know, Christians were kind of slow to get on board with that for whatever reason, because, you know, church, the church's stance on it was A, and they're saying B, or whatever. Um, so, like, to, to some extent, the good thing about, I would say the good thing about science that's accurate is it is true, whether you believe it or not. Like, it's accurate science. But if it's theoretical science, then this guy's being arrogant, you know. Whether or not you believe you evolved from nothing, it's true, you know. Um, that's like, you know, our kids when they come home and they say, I learned we came from a fish. I don't know that, well, I like the teacher that said that. I don't know what their personal faith is, but uh, that would be a question to say, hey, why do you believe that? Why do you think we came from a fish? What's, what's your can fish of another flesh become human? It's different flesh. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that, myself included, you might have a science degree. I wouldn't call myself a scientist. I'm not well-versed in, I couldn't put together an argument that would convince somebody of, of something necessarily they don't want to believe in. But um, anyhow, I think good science is true, you know? Uh, things fall to the ground. Gravity is real. I don't have to go, no, it's not, no, it's not, you know. Could God, could God supersede gravity? He could. Like he did when Jesus walked on water. Yeah, absolutely. He can. So, yeah. so I believe in that, too, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I, um, I think people who think that science is their daughter are putting blinders on because there's so many examples of what scientists <coughs> believed in the past that right. they know now is false. Yeah. And um, to act like it's the be-all, end-all is just stupid. But, but Jim's right. When people start down this road, man, it's slippery slope. Because when you start believing it, you become attached to it. You know, like my evolution professor in college, there's no way he would concede Christian arguments. He, you know, he was full-blown, this is who I am, and I cannot let go of this, even if there was, even as I look around and go, wow, it's a pretty amazing creation, it's pretty organized, it does pretty well. There's no way he would, without God's intervention, he would let go of that. And he was so, like his soul was tied to this theory. You know, on his door was the Darwin fish eating the Christian, or the Darwin you know, fish with legs eating the Christian fish. Like, antagonistic. Not like, I know people are like, you know, oh, cool, that's cool, you're a Christian. I, I'm not, I'm, a, I'm an atheist or whatever. I don't believe that. But they're not like, ready to slay your soul. You know? like, but if he tries to prove it, it's like, do you see that ever happening, coming out of the ocean, someone becoming a fish into an ape to a human? Never. That's hey, I don't think it's a strong argument. I don't think it's a strong argument at all. But again, they're going to throw time, yeah, right? Let's just extend the time. But this is how science says you've got to see it happening. And they don't. It's yeah. just... Hey, I think they're, I think their theories on thin, really thin ones, personally. But, <laughs> but, but, but they don't. But, you know, they, but, they, but they stuff it down everyone's throat because it's a lie that Satan wants to push down our throat. That's what it is. So Ben, what you're are, is what you're saying is that some science is beneficial. Then some science is true. Absolutely. Anybody else agree with that statement? Some. I do. Some. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, of course it's true. We have a lot of benefits from science. <laughs> we know if we jump off a building, gravity's gonna gravity's gonna work against us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we're not gonna jump off a building. 
and benefited from it. Absolutely. Sometimes very serious. Yeah. And yeah, there's some verses, we won't get to them today, we're, we're going to run out of time, but we're going to see some verses that make that very clear. There's some things that are very beneficial about science. <coughs> but to make the statement, the good thing about science is that it's true whether you believe it or not, there are actually two attributes of God uh, combined with science. Did you catch what they were? Immutability. Immutability and... No? Truth. <laughs> okay, truth. The good thing about science. Science is good. God says there's only one good. So I would say science is not good. I would say science has benefits. Can provide some benefits to us. But the Bible says there is only one who is good, and that's God. And that was Jesus himself who said that. And so, uh, <clears throat> there are two attributes of God, at least two, if not three, uh, inferred or directly stated by that statement. So when I said to believe that statement wholeheartedly, because science basically denies the existence of the supernatural. Now, all scientists don't. As ben said, you can be a scientist and still accept the reality of, of who God is and what he has done. There are creation scientists. There's people who recognize God's working. But I'm talking about science as, as, a, as a whole, as a general umbrella statement. Uh, scientists are ascribing attributes of deity to science itself and rejecting God. What they're doing is they're making science their God. A person who believes that statement unreservedly, without any qualifications, is making science their God. Now, you can believe portions of that statement, if you reword that statement, there are things about science that are good or that are beneficial and that are true whether I believe them or not. You know, there are people that don't believe that the earth is round. Well, science has proved that it is round and it's round whether you believe it or not. You can believe, you can want to say that it's flat, but it's round whether you want to believe it or not, okay? There are things about science that are true whether you believe it or not. But all things that science claim are not true, whether you believe it or not. <coughs> We've got just a few more minutes here. Uh, one more verse to look at here. Dwight, uh, could you get uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 4? Let's just... It never be. Rather, let God be found true. Through every man be found a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your own words prevail when you are judged. So if we have a contradiction between what science is saying and what God is telling us in his word, what's God's response to that? God says, who's true? God's the one who's true. Does he give us the opportunity to choose to believe that or not believe that? Is he going to make you believe that Jesus Christ created the heavens and the earth? Is he going to make you believe that he's the author of everything? Is he going to make you believe all the things that Genesis chapter 1 say about the six-day recreation of the earth? Is he going to make you believe that? Can you choose to believe the theory of evolution and still be a Christian? Yeah, you can. Is the theory of believing the theory of evolution going to help you live and, and grow your Christian life? No. Is believing the six-day creation going to help you grow and live the Christian life? I would say no. The, the, the Believing the elements of Genesis chapter 1 isn't part of the faith or part of the truth. It is true, but it's not part of the truth, truth that we live our Christian life by. <clears throat> so there are elements of science that you can believe or not believe and still be a Christian living the Christian life and growing. I would say that if you're growing that you're going to let go of some of those things as you grow and mature, as you become more um, comfortable in believing who God is and what he says within his word and more proficient with using his word. But you don't have to be a staunch advocate of everything the Bible says about creation to be a Christian and to be able to start growing as a Christian. Yes. So, um, there was a lot when I was teaching Sunday school, we taught creation often, and we taught it, I taught it, um, as a way to uh, 
make the attributes of God more real. So, in my opinion, when you look at creation, you you do have a benefit because in your Christian life because you can see God's power. Um, you can you you see things about God, His goodness, mm-hmm. and so you are learning about God. And in your Christian life, you really can't function. Um, fully for in your Christian life unless you know who God is. And that is an expression um, when you read that about who God is. Yeah, and I said, as I said, as you mature, you're going to become embracing more and more things of what the Bible says about God and what he has done. But to be a Christian and to begin living the Christian life, you don't have to accept all those things right off the get-go. No, <clears throat> so no. some of those things may come later. According to Genesis very, 1 1. Yeah, yeah and also <laughs> right, believe in things. Right. 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 As far right. as how to be safe, but I'm right, talking about the Christian life. life yeah. right. And so you need, you need to understand who God is, and that benefits your Christian life. <coughs> Probably ought to hold off before we try. Do you have time for the next? Okay, sure. <clears throat> Uh, do the conclusions of science ever change? Is science immutable? Do I, uh, oh, you read last. Uh, go ahead, uh, t- uh, Tim, read Malachi 6, 3, uh, verse 6. <coughs> Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Malachi 3, 6. Brian? For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. But the question is, does science ever change? I think that we believe that God is immutable. If we don't understand that about God, then that's something we need to know, because that's one of his attributes. He's immutable. He doesn't change. If science is our God, does science ever change? Yeah. Okay, give us some examples. If you... You're sick. You probably have bad blood. You just let some out. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I didn't have. Yeah. That's true. I didn't. I didn't have that on my list. Thank you. The whole humoral theory is a bunch of. The humoral theory. And now they have antibiotics along the same line as what Dwight's saying. When before they didn't, so they came about things a whole different way. Yeah, that was when they, they moved from bloodletting, letting the bad spirits out of your, bad humors out of your body into putting something into your body that's going to counteract it, okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. And I even used the antibiotics thing to point out that when they first came out, they thought this was a wonder all, and they just throw it at everything. everything. And, and since then, science has realized, you know, sometimes it's better just to let you cope with this because yeah, yeah. it's actually good for your immune system. Mm-hmm. That is true. So that has changed. That wasn't what we do anymore. We learned through COVID. We stop everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a lot of people would say, well, that was a really long time ago. There's nothing recent. But the Tuskegee experiment is an example of not only, it's an example of, you know, they say Christian or ch- the church or religion has done bad things in the name of religion. Where there you have science doing a bad thing in the name of science. So they. It was at least unethical, um, but very harmful that they took these people without their knowledge and experimented on them. But what you said was, but that was a long time ago. But that's the whole point. Does science ever change? God never changes, even if it's a long time ago. (laughs) Does science change even if it's a long time ago? Well, Well, especially if it's a long time ago. What else about science has changed? Um, it seems to me that in the last two years that masks were good for six feet and then three feet, and then they were not to be worn outdoors, and then they were to be worn outdoors. Heresy, burn him at the stake. You must wear them into the restaurant, but you can take them off when you're in the restaurant. That's clear. That's good science. And, uh, oh, I should just stop because I can go for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the best illustration because it's fresh on all of our minds. Yeah. That we could. <laughs> I had one that was a long time ago. That's theistic evolution. Uh, that's when uh, you know, you know what that is. Theistic evolution. 
that is when people started coming out with Darwin came out with the the theory of of uniformitarianism that all things are as a result of gradual change uh, not a result of a creator and Christians took that some some Christians took that as fact and become literally terrified that it was going to destroy their faith and so they put all of the ages of evolution either into Genesis 1-1 that each one of those days of creation was a create was a, a long period of time or they put it the, the ages of Genesis of evolution between Genesis 1 and Genesis 1-2 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and then there is these great millions of years of gradual change and then there is these these six days of creation and so theistic evolution was a re response of Christians towards the theory of evolution when they thought well the theory of evolution has to be true so we have to change the way we interpret the Bible to agree with evolution rather than throwing evolution out in the, and flushing it down the toilet where it belongs and holding on to the word of God for what it is. But that, that was my illustration. But I like yours best because that hits near and dear to home. That's what's up with I'm our relationship. I'm just saying you should put the mask on. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I can't quote you on that because I can't say it the way you did. <laughs> there were some things about Darwin's theory. I mean, he macro evolution versus micro. Yeah. And... And now with DNA, they know that his theory is false, but they won't say it. But it's impossible. But they won't. They won't say it. They want to cling on to it like a. Even he went away from it, but they cling on to it. Okay, we're we're done. We got through number four. Let's close with a word prayer and. and go on upstairs. Father, we do, again, we just appreciate the fact that you are true and anyone who <clears throat> goes against who you are or what you've revealed uh, is indeed one who is a liar, one who contradicts you is one who contradicts the truth and so we thank you that you've given us uh, your thoughts and those thoughts are true. You've given us uh, your expectations, what you desire and those are always in the realm of the truth and we can live in that realm and we can walk in the realm that is of light that is the revelation of who you are, revelation of your character, and a manifestation of your character. We can choose to do that through your divine enablement, uh, through your spirit and your son and yourself who dwell within us, and we can do that for your glory. Amen.